We are all in control of our own lives in one way or another. We wake up, go to work, come home and eat, watch a movie and go to bed. It seems, however, that most of us aren't in control after we lay our heads down and let the darkness take over. When we dream, we often appear in places we're familiar with, like our home or places that hold great significance in our lives. These places that derive from our own memory serve as the dreamscape or setting. Sometimes we appear in these places as we were at the time of the memory, for instance, as a child or with friends. However, these dreamscapes are usually different. It's as if we can't remember certain parts of the surroundings, so our subconscious fills in the blanks, and sometimes it's filled in with something dark and unpleasant. Your own subconscious takes no sides, and is removed from yourself. In fact, your subconscious takes on three different forms, such as your higher self, which is your moral conscience, your middle self, which is the mediator. And your lower self, which is more primitive, each controls different parts of your mind. In dreams, your higher self sets the stage and guides you, but your lower self corrupts the dream images, and you yourself are the middle. Imagine you're dreaming you're inside your home, and slowly, like madness, your own mind betrays you. And the next thing you know, your house is burning down with you inside it, or the house is filled with intruders all trying to attack you. I guess what I'm trying to say is, in the dream world, there's no telling when your dream will become a nightmare. I'm Charlie Conlon, and this is the nightmare I had last night. birds were singing. It was a beautiful summer day with lush trees and a clear sky. There was a slight breeze that felt warm and comforting against my skin. I was standing in my elementary school's field, looking down at the patchy dirt terrain. Ants were devouring a dead rat, carrying its guts back to their colony, all efficiently working towards their greater good. The field was large, with a fence surrounding the north, east, and west sides, standing about ten feet tall. The school itself was located to the south. Toss it here! A familiar voice called out ahead of me. It was my oldest friend Daniel. That's when I realized that we were the age of about ten. A baseball in my right hand and a glove in my left. Without question, I threw the ball to him. We must have been playing catch before I was lost in curiosity. He caught the ball and threw it back. Then I threw it to him. The sun shined down on us as we continued this rhythm. The nostalgic atmosphere was overwhelming. Kids again in our old neighborhood with no cares in the world and nowhere to be. At the same time, however, something felt strange. Heads up. He threw the ball fast at my head. I quickly ducked out of the way. It flew across the field, hit the ground, and rolled even further. "I'll get it," I called out, running away toward the west fence. The field was much larger than I had realized. I glanced over my shoulder, and Daniel gave me a wave. My pace continued. 
The ball was at the base of the fence in a small patch of grass. I bent down to grab it. That's when I noticed someone standing directly in front of me, but on the other side of the chain link fence. I stared at this person's feet for a moment, trying to make sense of what I was looking at. His shoes were a thin fabric with barely a base, almost like dirty socks. I composed myself and stood up to face the stranger. To my surprise, it was a short, old man, wearing a red hat and a jacket with many layers underneath. His pants were brown and ratty. He stood there with a huge smile on his face that spanned from ear to ear. His mouth was closed. Hello, I said. He didn't respond. He just stood there with a smile and closed eyes. A little confused, I turned around and ran back, reaching the center of the field in no time. Daniel was no longer there. I looked around to see if he was at the school or by the two large trees at the north fence. But he was nowhere to be seen. I looked back across the field at the old man on the other side of the fence, still standing there, unmoved. For a moment, I remained staring at him, almost in a trance. Even though he was far away, his smile was still visible. I grabbed my glove and decided to leave. I walked towards the west fence where a gate was located. I turned around one more time to look at the old man, but he wasn't there. I swung my head to face forward, and the old man was standing in front of me, now on the other side of the west fence. I could see him clearly, still smiling. This couldn't be possible. It was undoubtedly him. The short stature with the unsettling big smile. Feeling uncomfortable, I decided not to talk to him again. The north side has a gate too. I can leave through that way. His head turned, following me, even though his eyes were closed. Upon closer inspection, I noticed that his pants were actually made out of a dirty burlap sack, with many holes and covered in dry, dusty mud. I made my way toward the north gate, the man still standing at the west fence looking at me. I felt like I had been walking for a while and looked ahead to the north fence. He was now in front of me, again on the other side of the fence. My body broke into a cold sweat, panic coursed through me. I looked around to see if Daniel had returned, but he hadn't. Fixated now on the old man, I was hyper alert of what he was wearing. It looked like a homemade jacket, crudely sewn together with different pieces of other coats. The shirts layered underneath looked cheap, as if they were made out of rough material. He stood there, still smiling at me, eyes closed. His skin looked orange, like he was sick with jaundice, and he was slick with sweat. The school was to the south. There wasn't much distance to cover. I could make a run for it. Maybe get inside, away from this man. The sun was now on the horizon, skimming the tops of the trees, turning the sky orange. It was almost night. How long have I been here? I need to get to the school. I gripped the baseball still in my hand and took off running towards the school, tearing up dust clouds from my speed. I ran as fast as my ten-year-old self could. Eyes fixed on the school, I ran, fearing the old man was close behind. The sky was a darker blue. It was getting late. I had only made it halfway, and I turned around to look behind me. Standing there, with his dirty burlap sack pants, his rag hat, and his sick orange skin. The short, old man. Hands at his side, and a gigantic smile across his face. Inside the field, on my side of the fence. Panicked, I ran to the school, crying out in fear. 
The school's side door was thankfully unlocked. Inside, the school was empty, the lights were off, and everything was still visible. The hallway was long and lined with lockers. It was quiet. I ran down the hall, not sure what to do. Maybe he won't come in here. Maybe I can leave through another door, unseen. That's when I heard the side door I had just entered through slam shut. Frantically, I looked around for a place to hide. One of the locker doors was ajar, so I jumped inside and shut it. I stood as quietly as I could, looking through the slits of the metal door. I could hear breathing, a wet wheeze like someone with a respiratory problem or a throat infection. It was getting louder. I covered my mouth to quiet my own breathing. I could see the old man's rag hat moving across my point of view, shuffling down the hallway. I stood on my toes to get a better look. He was directly in front of me and stopped. His mouth opened and his smile faded. Standing in front of the locker, breathing deep through his agape mouth, with his eyes closed, his skin was covered in sweat. I remained still, trying to calm my body, trying not to cry. Then he tilted his head back, looking up. I tried my hardest not to make a sound. To my relief, he continued to walk. I could hear him making his way down the hall. I stayed in the locker, ensuring that he had left, so I could make my escape. After staying in this metal sanctuary for some time, I slowly crept the door open, enough to see. It was empty. I stepped into the hallway. The old man was right in front of me, two feet away. His neck turned up and his mouth opened in a wide frown like a dead fish. He started to hyperventilate. His breathing quickened and he clambered towards me with his arms outstretched. I stepped back and tripped to the floor. He scurried on top of me. His shirt felt like steel wool, his skin like wet leather. He was trying to bite my face, but I had my baseball glove blocking his mouth. His wheezing got worse now, coughing and gasping. He got past my glove and lunged his large mouth at my neck and bit down, ripping out a large chunk of my flesh, slowly tearing away at my neck. He sounded like a dog. I laid there, with my glove in one hand and my baseball in the other, bleeding in the middle of the school, while the short old man ate me alive. Then I woke up. We have all seen a scary movie in our lives that really stuck with us, making it difficult to fall asleep. Thinking the monster from the movie is under your bed, ready to grab you. Or going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, purposely not looking in the mirror, thanks to years of horror movie cliches. Nightmares have the same effect. For example, if you have a nightmare about horrific creatures that live in the depths of your basement, then most likely you'll avoid going down there. Or if you have a nightmare about someone you know, maybe you'll see them in a different way, a more threatening way even though they've done nothing in real life. To break down my nightmare, I'll start from the beginning. At the start of my nightmare, it was actually a pleasant dream. I was at the school I attended growing up with my friend Daniel, 
As kids, we spent a lot of time there because it was close to our houses. What was weird is we were playing catch with baseball gloves, which we never did. We always played hockey like good Canadian boys. The field was exactly as I remembered it, with the large fence. Which brings me to my first definition. To see a fence symbolizes my need for privacy, or I am trying to shut off the rest of the world. To see my childhood friend, in this case my best friend, signifies regression into my past where I had no responsibilities, when things were much simpler and carefree. I guess that would explain why I was represented as a child in the nightmare. Next, I was met with the short old man, with the strange clothing, looking sick and ratty. I've never seen this man in my life, and this is not part of my memory. It is amazing that the mind can create such a character so detailed right down to the clothes he was wearing and the sweat on his brow. But what does it mean? To see an old man in a dream can resemble how I feel about aging. This man looked sick, which may signal a part of myself that needs to be healed, physically or mentally. So maybe I feel sick about getting older and need to come to terms with it. In the nightmare, the old man didn't look human. In fact, he looked very inhuman, almost like a gnome. In ancient Scotland, it is believed that gnomes and fairies roamed the land, sometimes acting mischievous, stealing milk, food, or garden tools, but for the most part are good-natured. It is said that they would mend injured animals and help forests grow. There are, however, other, more evil gnomes. There are some that come into your house at night and replace your newborn with a halfling or aging fairy, with sharp teeth and disfigurements. There are others that sneak onto farmers' lands and kill all their livestock. One evil gnome, in particular, is called a red cap. Not the red-capped, tacky gnomes people decorate their front lawns with. Redcaps are short, goblin-like gnomes who live in abandoned castles and kill any human who comes near. They have sharp, pointy teeth and long fingers with razor-sharp nails. It is said, when they attack, they rip apart humans with their teeth and nails, shredding them to pieces. After the person is dead, the gnome removes his hat and soaks up all the blood. Thus, the name Redcap. I find this interesting because, in my dream, I was in my old school, which was empty, or abandoned, like a castle, and the old man, or red cap, tore me apart and ate me alive. So the lore matches the nightmare. a gnome in a dream signifies my inner child and fantasies. This makes sense because I was a child in a nostalgic setting. It would also explain why this old man or red-cap creature eventually ate me alive like the legend tells. In the nightmare, he is chasing me. Being chased signifies that I am avoiding a situation that I do not think is conquerable. Again, it seems that I am running away from the fear of getting older. It could also mean I am running away from fear itself. I have many fear-based anxieties, so this is accurate. 
Next, I was in the school, hiding in a locker from a strange, gaunt man sauntering down the school's hallway. To hide from an aggressive figure suggests that I am hiding away from an important decision in my waking life. Once I was faced with this sick old man, he was no longer smiling. Staring at the ceiling, his body shook with excitement. During this part of the nightmare, it felt like I was a third person watching myself being eaten, viciously being pulled apart, gore splattered all over the hallway while I lay there dead. To be eaten by someone in a dream is a pun, created by your subconscious saying that you feel like you are being eaten alive in your work, relationship, or current situation in life. In dreams, our subconscious does a good job of making us face our fears. Maybe it's our higher self subtly trying to give you wisdom or hidden advice. Or maybe it's our lower self throwing your biggest fears right in your face causing anxiety and stress. I have always struggled with the fact that we get old and eventually take the deep plunge into the afterlife or whatever lies beyond. I guess we all at one time or another wish that we were kids again, with no cares in the world. But that doesn't mean that we have to stop having fun, and it's important to never forget who we were as a child, because whether we like it or not, we all grow up, so there's no sense in running from it. This story was written by me, Charlie Conlon, with music by Joe Conlon. I hope you enjoyed this terrifying nightmare. Please take time to rate the podcast on iTunes, and let me know if you enjoyed it in the comments. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at KMN Podcast to get more information and keep updated on all things nightmarish. Remember, if things get too scary, you can always wake up.